Week four is upon us. College football is in full swing. Conference play is getting ready to heat up. We got every game, all six games. We're previewing those. And on the heels of Mike Leach's press conference ramp, we got the mascot power rankings. And Ralph has to explain himself uh, and the AP poll for their nonsense. And we're going to talk about Friday night games. How is this good or is this bad for the Pac-12? I'm George Reister with Ralph Amsden, and this is the Pac-12 Apostles. Ralph, every Pac-12 team is in action except for Arizona and Oregon State. And with two non-conference games, you got Cal going to Ole Miss, even though Ole Miss is not ranked. You got Washington playing BYU. BYU's not ranked. But these feel like two critical games for the national perception of the Pac-12. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Uh, Pac-12 versus SEC might not be the best against the best, um, but I think that it's it's very, very important for uh, the Pac-12 to at least have a decent showing uh, in this because, you know, the SEC West is considered, you know, one of the toughest divisions in all college football. And what Cal has a chance to do right now is prove that not only can they take down, you know, the best in the Pac-12 or one of the best in the Pac-12 in Washington, but they can go and beat an SEC school and that they're on the path to doing something really special this year. Uh, Another uh, uh, interesting thing from that game is, you know, Matt Matt Coral playing quarterback for Mississippi. This is a guy we probably should have been talking about as a Pac-12 quarterback. Um, And then, you know, as far as, as 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 far as the other game, I mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it up there as having like equal importance um, for the BYU. Uh, but I think that just for the sake of Pac-12, for the sake of uh, USC, uh, that 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 it, you know BYU needs to kind of be taught a lesson. I I, I don't think that that game uh, will be as close as as uh, the, the California game. I think that Washington kind of pulls away. Um, but but I think that I think that it's about the SEC. Uh, right now, the SEC and Pac-12, then, you know, there's no conference to assign BYU to. They're independent. They don't really, you know, matter all that much except for this this, this pest in the West that's playing a lot of your teams. And so I think that, uh, I think they're both important, but I think that whole Pac-12 versus SEC thing, one of your best Pac-12 teams can't beat a middle-of-the-road SEC team, I think that looks really, really bad for your conference. Oh, I totally agree. I think the Cal Ole Miss game is huge because Cal beat Washington. Washington has a good national perception. So if Cal beats Washington and then comes back and gets beat by Ole Miss, who's not going to have a chance to win the SEC, then that looks bad. Uh, But this Cal team already did beat Ole Miss in 2017 at home. They beat them 16 to 27. So, I mean, they might as well have scored a million points for for their standards. They scored a whopping 27. So this is a game that Cal can win and I think should be expected to win. Um, But, Ralph, we, we got a few other things to talk about first. First thing is this AP poll, because we talked about the rankings a little bit. And on the previous show, we gave our power rankings. And in the power rankings, yes. you put Washington in front of Cal. And and that same day, I'm going through other power rankings, like the, the 24-7 Rivals power rankings, like, you know, uh, CBS power, all these power rankings. And 
all of them, including the AP poll. Well, not all of them, a lot of them, including the um, the AP poll have Washington ranked above Cal. And and I my brain cannot understand how you could possibly say this, because what is it like 11 days ago? I stayed up until 1.30 in the morning and saw Cal beat Washington. And this was not a fluke because they did it for the second time in a row, the second year in a row, and they did it in Seattle. So how on earth, Ralph, are you and the rest of these numbskulls saying that Washington is better than Cal? Explain yourself. It it was only... It's only three weeks into the season, Ralph. It's not like we like like Cal is two and ten, and they fluked up and beat Washington. No, they're still three and zero, oh, and Washington's two and one and hadn't beat. It's not like Washington beat Alabama and then came back and lost to Cal. You know, the, like explain yourself. Okay, so I'll address this first. You're not crazy. You're in the right. You are correct. If you are voting in a top 25 poll, there is no reason that Washington should be ranked ahead of Cal if they played head-to-head and we already have the results of that game. There's no excuse for it. It speaks to the silliness of the preseason poll and the impact that it has on the overall results. You've ranted on this. You could not be more correct when it comes to that. Here's where I separate what I did from the results of the AP poll. Ours is a power ranking. I, after watching that game, believe that Washington is still better equipped to have success in the Pac-12 based on their ability to both play offense and defense. I did not attribute the result of a game that came down to the last play to determine who would be successful through the end of the season. I feel like Washington is better positioned. I feel like the circumstances of that game were so unique that you have to take those things into account a little bit. And in this conference, you have to be able to score to win. We saw this last year in the Pac-12 championship when maybe a better Utah team but a one-dimensional Utah team took on Washington. They aren't a better team, so that's Ralph. That's my reason. They weren't a better team than Washington. If they were a better team than Washington, they would have won. I mean, it, it. I cannot make sense of, especially. Okay, so, Ralph, there is credibility to what you're saying in terms of a team that's better equipped and all of that. If you have more information, if Washington beats Cal, I mean, Cal beats Washington, week three and then Cal goes on to be uh five and three and then Washington is seven and one then Washington still should be ahead of them in the power ranking I assuming that those are like Pac-12 losses and all of that they they Washington should be ahead of them in a power ranking then because that looks like an anomaly or a you know a styles make fights kind of thing as opposed to this team is just more dominant and is and is better equipped to beat other people. But at the point in time that this has happened, it was three weeks into the season. 
And I think sometimes when people make power rankings or and the AP voters vote, because there are some really good writers and some people who really know football who are voting in the AP poll. But the problem is they project out into the future. You can't project out into the future about what you believe a team's uh, abilities are. You have to just uh, take what data you are given. Like, don't fill in the gaps. Don't say, oh, Alabama lost to Alabama lost to Utah Tech. So, but they're still the one of the top two teams out there. No, they're not. If they were, they would have won. I mean, we have to stop projecting out. And that's part of the problem that I've talked about. And on previous episodes, I've talked about how the AP poll makes no sense. And Cal is being a victim of this for the second straight year. Because last year, Wisconsin came into the poll, into the preseason, ranked number four. And then after, in week four, you... um. And in week four, they were two and one. Wisconsin was two and one and ranked number 18. Their only two wins were over New Mexico and Western Kentucky. And the team that Wisconsin lost to was BYU. And they were ranked number 24. And they were two and one. And the team that beat BYU was Cal. And they were three and oh, but they were unranked. My my brain right. does not so you still have Wisconsin ranked 18th. The team that beat them is ranked 24th. And and their only loss was to a team that would that's three and oh. Like how on earth does that make sense? I mean, it's different if we're it, way deeper into the season. But at the beginning of the season, you just have to take the data that you got. Right. So I I run a uh, a poll. Uh, a media rankings for all of high school football in Arizona. I've got about 15 different writers from all the regions of the state who email me a ballot every Tuesday morning. And I'm going to be honest, like I don't just take the ballot and input the data. If I get a ballot and it's like, it's very possible that they're just completely neglecting the results of a head to head matchup. I always write a quick email to say, are you sure? (laughs) Always. And when I post the media rankings, as I posted them last night on my website, I include the ballots of every single media member with a link directly to their Twitter so that when the students have a question, they can go directly to those people for answers because I I don't want to have to answer something like this. And I would hope that something like this wouldn't happen. And I put more care into my high school rankings than it feels like the AP just says, all right, give me your ballot. All right. It is what it is. The controversy creates more content, and we're the press, so it's all for the greater good. Um, it, it is silly. It is silly. I do not believe that what I did and what they did is the same, but I can see how it happening at the same time would just add to the to the frustration of it. Okay. See, see, Ralph, you're you're so sensible that I'm not that you were able to talk me off of <laughs> from flying to Arizona and banging on your door and say, explain yourself. Here, explain yourself, here, Ralph. Here's what I struggle with. If that kick missed, if that kick missed, then I would be stuck in the same position of having to make sure that I was still elevating Cal for their effort. Right. And it's 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 a really, really weird thing when things come down to your kicker. Um, 
because because like that just that flip switching of whether this kick goes in or not determines where you rank an entire team above another entire team. We just watched Arizona State and Michigan State, and Michigan State outgained Arizona State two to one. Probably should have blown the doors off of ASU, but they missed three field goals and ran a twelfth guy out of the field for the last one. And so then do you do you factor in a coaching mistake into a team's potential? Uh, power rankings oh. are a little bit weird like that for me. If like if 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 Michigan State was in the Pac-12, would I put Arizona State above them in a power ranking just based off of what I saw on that game? I would struggle to do that. Well, see, I would still based upon the information that we have already. That's what that's the way I do my power ranking off off schedule played, dominance, and quality wins. And I'm and so I do not factor in future schedules, potential of the team. I just take the information that we have right now. Did and, and so sometimes teams get shuffled around a lot, and people look at my power ranks and they're like, "Oh my God, how do you have Cal ranked number two last week?" Like, well, they beat Washington. They had the best win yeah. in the Pac-12, even though they look nasty. It's a win, and it's not an accident because they did it the year before. Right, and so then so, you have a three zero Arizona State team who has a win over a ranked opponent, and I don't have them in the top six of our power rankings. And my justification for that is what they're doing is working, but it's not ideal. I, I said this on another uh, podcast um, that if you if your car works but only in reverse, like you could use it to get to the grocery <laughs> store a couple of times, but eventually you're going to have to get that fixed. And so Arizona State is a completely <laughs> one dimensional team. And as I see it within the Pac-12 compared against the other teams and what I've seen them have the ability to do, I'm having a hard time justifying putting Arizona State any higher than seventh just based only upon the fact that they've gotten to the grocery store a couple of times in reverse. Dude, you're going to have Arizona State fans showing up at your house, man. They're already so mad at me over this this whole Khalil Tate season. I lose probably... 20 followers every time I mention his name. So <laughs> Khalil Tate Amsden. I told you, man, you you rode in on a on a on a sinking ship. <laughs> you you rode in. Like you came and you saw that there was a hole in the boat and you were like, no, no, it's fine. And you got on the boat and you're the only person there. You're the captain. You are the crew. And you just went sailing away. And you didn't even notice when the ship was sinking. I'm one of those people and, who and, has like 50 shares of Enron in 2019, even though the company's been gone for for 15 years. <laughs> like exactly, that is you right now. Um, but you brought up a good point that I wanted to tra- transition to a little bit. Um, well, actually, we'll, we'll we'll just go to the next thing. Uh, Friday night games, the Friday games are absolutely despicable they are horrible and i think that it just shows that larry scott just is the guy who just is like oh if it's free it's for me if it's free it's for me oh you're offering something oh yeah we'll take it and it's one of those things to where you have one of the premier games in the pac-12 utah who the media picked to be preseason favorites 
playing at USC, the most well-known, well-publicized, most accomplished Pac-12 school. They got Heisman trophies. They got national championships. They're the last one to win. They have brand recognition around the country. And this is the game you put on Friday night when no high school kids can watch the games except for the kids who play on Saturday. It, I, I can't understand why anybody thinks this is a good idea. I mean, you you are miss recruits miss the game. A lot of adults miss the game because they are watching uh, the high school kids play or they're out on date night with their wife and they're getting in a fight over a football game. Uh, him Him trying to watch the game or her trying to watch the game. This is just bad business. It, the, the the ratings possibilities aren't there. Even if you get a great game, East Coast people don't really see it as much. It, it's I can't think of any worse thing than compete than playing on Thursday night when you're competing with the NFL. I've never had anything positive to say about this. Um, I got a chance to ask Larry Scott about the Thursday and Friday games in person. He said it's just part of the TV deal, which expires in a couple years anyway. And then, you know, they'll have leverage to renegotiate. And it's weird. It's like listening to, you know, if you're you're one of those kids where, you know, your 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 mom is constantly in bad relationships and she just breaks up with her, you know, third live-in boyfriend that she's had in the last five years. And she says, like, hey, you know, we just have to stay together till the lease is over. That's in four months. Then we'll get back on our feet. And you just have to think to yourself, like, Mom, when have we ever been on our feet? Like, And that's how I feel about this conference is just like I listen to Larry Scott say over and over and over again, like, we have our media rights. Things will be better. Things will be better. And I'm, and I'm just like, man, when were they ever good? What evidence do we have that you're going to get this right? We're sitting here with one of the most important games of the season on a Friday for a team in Utah that has built themselves into a formidable contender without being able to recruit in the first place. The 10th ranked team in the nation. They are, they, Utah struggles to recruit. They do this through player development and coaching continuity. If they had access to some of the better kids, of which many of them come from the LA area, then like things would be pretty great. And you know that the Trojans would always welcome those people on campus to come watch those games live, take unofficial visits. This is bad for USC, who has struggled to recruit in, in the last year and a half under Clay Helton, and it's very, 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 very bad for, for Utah when this is one of their opportunities to be seen. Um, but it's more important to this conference that somebody in Jacksonville, Florida, or somebody in Charlotte, North Carolina, or somebody in Delaware can have this on in the background at an Applebee's than it is that the fans of this team in this city have access to that game and the fans in this conference and the recruits in this conference have the ability to watch the game. We are All right. lampooning okay, ourselves. Okay, so I have a question. I, I agree with you. But, okay, so the TV deal's up in 2024. So if you had a choice for this game to be played on Friday night or 9 a.m. on Saturday, which is better? Oh, 9 a.m. on Saturday. I mean, I like it. it, it, it because it's that's Saturday. Sophie's choice. It's a terrible choice, but at the same time, it's not a choice. Friday is for high school football. 
the fact that you encroached on this in in the first place just shows the arrogance that comes along with taking that big paycheck from uh, from from TV deals. Like it just speaks to the the it's the same thing with the NFL putting football on Thursdays. There's just an arrogance to it. Like you'll eat anything. You keep showing up, you'll eat whatever I serve you. But Give it to Mikey. He'll eat exactly. Anything. Fun fact: I used to sing in a rock band, uh, and we were called Mikey Likes It, and we failed. And uh, and I think that this is going to fail. I think that the next time that this comes around, that there has to be some type of pushback for the amount of Friday and Thursday games that this conference plays, because it's just an admission that we can't compete nationally on our own at the expense of the fans who want to be able to watch these games. And you're taking away the ability of the fans to be able to live their life, live a healthy, balanced life, still give their entire Saturday to watching football, um, you know, support whatever their kids have going on on Friday nights, have their healthy relationships, you know, uh, thriving or whatever. And and you're just, it's it's just a roadblock that keeps us from flourishing as a conference. It's a stupid game. I'm not going to be watching it live which pisses me off because I've been looking forward to this game since the schedules came out. You know who should be playing on Friday nights? Cincinnati, Air Force, Hawaii, um, Memphis, the UCF even. Group of five teams should be playing on Fridays, not power five teams. You are the big boys. You play on Saturday. It is, I I can't think of anything worse than try than competing with the NFL. Like that would be the app, the actual worst case. I mean, it it almost feels like, you know how toward the middle of the season, they start having those Mac games on Tuesdays. yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I feel like Larry Scott and the conference, if they were offered Tuesday games or Wednesday games, they'd be like, "Okay, cool. We're the, we'll we'll be the only thing on. Don't 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 worry. We'll we'll compete with Succession. We'll compete with Snowfall. We'll compete with you know Grey's Anatomy or whatever the hell else is the top rated show on that day. America's Got Talent. No no I'd problem. Rather, yeah, I'd rather we'll play on a Tuesday than a Friday though. Just just for the sake of of knowing that the lifeblood of your program is its ability to recruit. And so, I mean, it, it would still be tough. And again, it's another terrible choice. But if you want the kids to be able to have access to your program, because what a lot of college football fans don't understand is that high school kids don't watch a lot of football, like on TV. You don't, you, if you're right. doing it, you don't spend a lot of time watching it. You just are peripherally aware of what's going on with some of the team's um, that are recruiting you. Like if I'm in college and I got a pending job offer from Verizon, I'm not listening in on their board meeting calls. I don't work there yet. Like I got other stuff going on it, with, with, uh, with, with the uh, high school kids that play football, they don't practice playing football all week, then go out and play football, then go home on Saturday and spend all day watching football. They go hang out with their friends. The yeah, dude, I was talking to Johnny yeah. Wilson, the 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 receiver who's going going to Oregon, and after the Auburn game, I asked him if he watched the game. He was like, "Um, oh, yeah, man, I watched about 
the uh, first quarter, but that was yeah. it. Yep. And I'm like, uh, that he's re- he's committed to going there, and he's not turning back. And he's like, yeah, man, I didn't watch the game. <laughs> I mean, you are completely right about high school kids. They're like, yo, I got a game. I'm tired. I got stuff to do. I got a girlfriend trying to do X, Y, Z. Got got to go work out. Mom wants us to go to this wedding. There's a lot of stuff that kids have to do that they get dragged into doing. Um, but I wanted to talk about the GOAT. Okay. The interview GOAT. That is Mike Leach. I appreciate his interviews. I think his interviews are spectacular. And on the heels of his interview the other day, we are going to do the mascot power rankings. The mascot power rankings. And ours are going to be a little bit different than how Mike Leach ran his down. But in case you missed it, we're going to play it for you now. First of all, what kind of mythical powers does a Sun Devil have? We've got to consider that. I'm going to say the Wildcat's out. Uh, the Trojan, is he? does he have a horse or is he on foot? Does he have a bow and arrow or just his sword? The Bruin, definitely formidable. Another bear up there at Cal. Uh, the tree, I imagine that tree's going to get chopped down. It's unless we're going to go with a bird and somebody might get pecked or something. I don't know. The duck might lose interest and just fly away and get out of there, which may be good advice under the circumstances. Uh, the husky, no chance. The beaver, well, we'll see how long that beaver can hold his breath. Um, the ute, again, we're back to, uh, is he on horseback? Does he have a bow and arrow? Did he trade for a rifle? I mean, you know, because if that youth's got a rifle, there's some definite problems. You know, you'd have to get one of those Harry Potter activists to read up on how you kill a sun devil because there's a lot of uh, outside stuff there. Just as far as a beast alone, uh, a buffalo's going to be pretty hard to tangle with. I mean, a, bu- a buffalo's utterly outstanding. Did I leave any of them out? The Kugel find a way. Uh, clear-minded and crafty, a combination of stay out of harm's way and and uh, <clears throat> and attack when you get your uh, your chances or your openings. Mike Leach is classic, dude. He must be fun to interview in a press conference because you can literally bring up anything and he's probably got a thought about it. Yeah, I mean, I got, I got a love-hate relationship with, uh, with his whole thing because people got to do their job. Um, so at some point you want him to be, to be serious, but also like a lot of people's job is just the content, right? And he's a content machine. Um, his quotes go viral. The things he says, people love to read about and talk about and everything like that. Um, sometimes his lack of seriousness to me is a little bit, um, much, uh, (laughs) and I, I, I hate how he sort of gets a pass. Like his goofiness has given him a pass uh, in the past to kind of say some things that are not really advisable or even in class. I mean, when he came out and he uh, dropped that bomb on Arizona State and said, like, it's a fact that they were cheating and stealing signs and, and all that stuff, he ends up getting fined for it. But nobody in the moment, like, really called him out for that. He sort of built up this uh, ability to say what he wants when he wants. Like this dude has 40 players from California and he told the media today that there are uh, this week that that law that California is trying to pass that would allow players to profit off their likeness 
is not something that California should be doing because their streets are full of trash and homeless people and they should focus on that. Any other coach in America says something like that and they have just an absolute crap storm to deal with coming back at them. Mike Leach has 40 players from California on his roster. He has to recruit California in order to even survive, and he doesn't care at all. He doesn't care at all. He's not recruiting. He's not recruiting. No, he's not. Care about those. He's not. But I think that any other coach would fear any sort of pushback, and he doesn't. Partly is because of his personality and who he is, which is what makes him refreshing to people. And the other part of it is that, like, he just has lulled the media into this sense of, uh, into this sense of, like, oh, nothing he does is serious. He's sort of a mascot in it of himself. And um, and so I, I don't know. It, sometimes it's hilarious to me, and sometimes I get annoyed by it. Um, in this particular case, I was very entertained. I, I, see, he never bothers me with stuff he says b- because you have to think about it. Like everybody is responsible for the things that they say, and you're not immune to consequences. So Mike Leach, who's clearly one of the best coaches in America. Clearly. When big time jobs come up, USC, they're not thinking about them. Tennessee, and eh, we're passing you up. How many times has Mike Leach, who has built Washington State from what was considered the worst power five job in America into a top 25 team and last year a top 10 team at one point in time? How do you possibly not get bigger time head coaching jobs because you say stuff like this and granted it should not count against you but this is the world that we live in they want coaches who project a certain image they look the part and sometimes when you only want when you when you care about looks more than substance you get kind of the situation that USC's got right now they're always trying to hire a a Trojan man. They're always trying to hire somebody who looks the part, who can who can glad hand the boosters in a certain way. Don't you need to be concerned about winning football games as number one as your number one priority? Yeah, and they win, and that they what they have uh, like more wins than any other Pac-12 team in conference play, or maybe overall in the last three years. So, I mean, if they were losing and he was doing stuff like this, maybe it would be different. But they're winning, so he can do what he wants. Correct. Yep, you you win, you get a pass. But okay, so Ralph, what are your Pac-12 conference mascot power rankings? Because we talked about what we what criteria that we were basing this on. Yeah, that we were going to base no, it. So I, I, no, I think on. we should go back and forth. I think that uh, no, normally we would like rattle off our bottom uh, ones or whatever, but I think we should go 12, 12, 11, 11, 10, 10, and go through it that way, just because. Okay. Um, and you're gonna have to go first because I got a tie for twelve. <laughs> and you know, normally in a in a okay. rankings, it would be a tie for eleventh, right? Uh, and there would be no twelve. Uh, but I need both of these ones that I have to be in last place. So you're gonna have to go first, and we'll just trade off from there. <laughs> All right, in the Judas spot, I got Cal. I got Cal's Oski, only because I had no idea who this guy's name was. I had no clue. And if you see Cal's bear, he looks 
so friendly. He looks like a Berkeley bear. He looks super preppy. He is, you know, he doesn't look like he could hurt anybody. And he's not popular. He's just a kid. He's going to school. He's trying to get his master's degree and go get a good job and be somebody's boss one day because Cal's a good school. I, like, he's non-threatening, and you have no clue what what he does. And in reality, Cal's bear is a grizzly bear, and they're extinct anyway in California. So so their bear is extinct, and then Oski is, is a non-factor. Non-factor. You don't know who he is. You couldn't. He's like you wouldn't pick him out in a lineup. You're like, ah, oh, what, 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 what school is that? It obviously starts with a C. He's got it on his vest. Uh, I don't know. And that's why I got Cal in the 12 spot. But also, I have another team in the 12, 12 spot, Ralph, because I had to copy <laughs> you. Once you told me you had two teams in the 12 spot, I was like, there's another team that deserves to be in the 12 spot. They don't deserve to be in an 11 spot better than Cal's Oski. It is the Utah Utes mascot. His name is Swoop. It's a bird. Because a Utah Ute, what I what I thought a Utah Ute was, was a it was a human. He was a warrior. He was a fighter. And I'm like, or is it a car? Is it that that Ute car? And so they're they are completely confused they they should probably be in last spot solely alone because they have a bird but i thought it was like a warrior person but then i when i googled it i'm like is it a car what the hell is their mascot so utah big fail buddy big so tied for 12th in the judas spot for me uh (laughs) i got both bear mascots i'm I'm not gonna lie i'm from wyoming um which i know i say all of the time uh if if you are new to the Pac-12 Apostles podcast. My name is Ralph Amson, and I am from Wyoming. Those I usually say those two things right next to each other. So um, we have Grizzlies there, uh, and uh, it makes me sad to see anyone have a grizzly bear mascot in a place where I know that um, they actually don't have those anymore. Uh, so just the 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 the, the Bruins and Cal Golden Bears that they're they're just down there at the bottom. I mean, regardless of the actual mascots in the suits, uh, California had like 10,000 Grizzlies at one point and the Spanish came, made them fight each other to the death, uh, and there are none left, which almost seems appropriate just for the way that the Pac-12 um, <laughs> eats itself alive, like the snake eating its tail every single year um, in, until uh, until there is nothing remaining. Um, so it's almost appropriate. Uh, but I, yeah. So when I when I look at both of those things, I get more sad <laughs> than I do and intimidated. Even though UCLA has done its absolute best to make its uh, its its mascot scary, I don't know if you've seen some of their social media recently, where they had like the bear mounting one of their players uh, <laughs> that they tweeted out from their main account. Dude, I, <laughs> that was creepy, dude. That was creepy. I was like. I, I I couldn't understand why they would do that. I the the thing that I thought of was when I saw it, I thought of that Leonardo DiCaprio movie, The Revenant, 
where where he got bad things done to him <laughs> by the bear. I was like, ooh, I, player run, run, player run. Yeah, exactly. It was creepy. <laughs> like they had ominous lighting on him. It was. Oh, yeah. It looked like the forest was on fire. Yeah. And I was like, that's the last thing California needs is another forest fire. Dude, he was, and the bear was looming like impending danger. It was all bad. I I had no clue why, like, whoever's in charge of that is doing a bad job. But I think that you're awful for having UCLA in the number 12 12 spot. (laughs) Um, My number 10, I have Wilbur and Wilmer, Wilbur and Wilma Wildcat. Okay. Because this is not a family operation. I mean, I I know like this is not a family operation. I get we're trying to be politically correct, all of these things, and it's cool to have a a, a female mascot too, if that's the thing you choose to do. But at the same time, they're non-threatening. Wildcats in in and of themselves are small. They like they're a non even though they can hurt you, you're more likely to be able to do damage to a wildcat than a wildcat is able to do damage to you. And it's kind of the way they play football right now. So I got the wildcats at the 10 spot. Uh, my number 10 is Swoop, the Utah Utes red-tailed hawk that they've had since 1996. Uh, originally, the school's mascot was like a member of the Ute tribe, uh, which, you know, people are not mascots and all that. So, um, and, and, and I mean, the whole school nickname is strange to me anyway. Like my dad's from the Northern uh, Cheyenne Reservation. Um, you know, I, I got a lot of Native American people in my family. I got a bunch of family up on the res that say they're my cousin. And I'm not sure if that's the truth or not. <laughs> like, it, it's just that, you know, the, so the whole, like, um, it's one thing, the whole, like, you know, people are not mascots or whatever, uh, that, that I definitely ascribe to. Um, but, you know, uh, Swoop, you don't really think of a hawk when you think of utah anyway you just think of utah you just think of utes i think when i hear utah i and i hear ute i think of my cousin Vinny. <laughs> like did you say utes um but the like two utes exactly the two utes in question <laughs> exactly and so uh i don't know maybe marissa tomei uh she looked pretty good on the side of a football helmet so um but i i, I don't know you just never really think of a, a red-tailed hawk the Ute people are like this day mostly in Colorado. Ute Mountain is in Colorado. You know, I mean, they lived in Utah, but like also mostly Colorado. So the whole the whole thing has just always been sort of silly to me. Uh, to me, they're just Utah, the red team that we, you know, play. in Exactly. Um, so that their mascot doesn't really ever even pop into my mind. Um, but if they actually put more emphasis on it, uh, red-tailed hawk's pretty badass. So, like, maybe they should push that out there more. I don't know. I totally agree with that. Uh, number nine, I got Butch T. Cougar, Washington State's mascot. He's ranked so low because because his outfit is so low quality. Like uh, his, he is not a. He needs a refresh. He he looks like the drunken cougar. They need to, you know, spend a little bit of money getting a better looking mascot. I, I like the name Cougar. It's menacing. They are excellent creatures. But overall, like their mascot, he's sort of recognizable, but he's got to have his outfit on for you to be recognizable. And it's kind of like a a pretty cheap version of a, of a Washington State uniform. 
So th- that's why, y- even though they have a great mascot themselves in a cougar, Butch T. Cougar comes in a nine spot for me. Uh, my number nine is Harry Husky. Um, just because I think I, I think it's kind of pointless. Um, you, Georgia brings an actual bulldog out. Husky's like the most beautiful dog on the planet. Get a dog. Like you don't you don't need Harry the Husky. Oh, you don't even need him. That's actually a good point. I, I just think that that is a great point, Ralph. Harry is unnecessary. Um, let's let's get rid of him. Let's have Harry one, Harry two, Harry three, and just get get a husky out there. I mean, they're so uh, like regal, just an incredible, incredible animal. And you know, I, I don't think we should just have animals out there doing party tricks for the sake of that. But you don't you don't have to do any. You don't even have to train them up. Just have them sit on the sideline and make sure that he takes a dump on whatever opponent's field uh, that you're on <laughs> on any given Saturday or Friday in the Pac-12's case. So um, I just I just don't see the I, – I see a better opportunity and a better way forward uh, for University of Washington, and that's why I've got Harry the Husky in my nine spot. Okay. that's See, that's reasonable. I didn't even consider that, but I like that, Ralph. Number eight, I got Ben Beaver, Benny the Beaver. Oregon State's mascot because and mind you, this is not a bad ranking for me for Oregon State only because this is a hard list to make because the Pac-12 mascots are well known and you and Benny the Beaver. He doesn't get his just due because Oregon State is historically and even recently so damn bad that he never gets TV time. He doesn't get invited to the Capital One commercials. And if he does, he's in the background. He doesn't get invited to the ESPN commercials because nobody knows who he is. Nobody cares because Oregon State's so bad. I feel bad for a quality mascot in terms of his costume is really nice. Like the the, the fur on it is well done. And he's just not getting the recognition that he deserves at the eight spot. That's fair. Um, my number eight is Wilbur and Wilma Wildcat. Um, when I've got a, just a very, very simple, simple reason why, um, I am from here in Arizona I mean, I'm from Wyoming. I, I always got to throw that out there. I'm from Wyoming, but I live in Arizona and I've been in Arizona a lot of my life and, uh, Wilbur and Wilma, um, they are just sort of like raggedy looking, um, mascots that you, they just, you just draped a cheerleader and football uniform over them. Not a lot of effort put into it. Definitely looks like a knockoff. Uh, Chuck E. Cheese experience type thing. And I think that overall, the Arizona mascot, like nobody ever thinks of the Wildcats because what is Arizona most known for? Basketball. There's already a bunch of Wildcats anyway. So just the big block A is what people know Arizona for. But Wilbur and Wilma look like how I feel in the middle of the summer. Like me and my wife are out running errands. <laughs> like I, I just imagine like catching myself in the mirror. I like, I look like just Wilbur, just like a giant furry mess. Because <laughs> like, it's so damn hot. Miserable and scary. Yeah, he looks how we feel. And I don't like to be reminded how we – and the fact that somebody has to wear that at, when it's like 106, 107 degrees at kickoff in Tucson sometimes. It's just like, oh, man, let's, let's just have like a shaved cat as a mascot or something. Just just like don't make somebody suit up. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I've, got, uh, I've got them uh, in, in my number eight. I got Joe Bruin, UCLA at number seven. He's actually a cool mascot, 
But I think my my fan experience at the games kind of plays into this because even though he's recognizable, he is he's all over the place because UCLA is a big name brand. Their games are not so hype. He doesn't do cool stuff like some of the other mascots do. Like some of the other mascots ahead on this list, they do cool things. Like they are high on the high on the national mascot rankings. And and Joe Joe Bruin is just not doing it. I mean, it is he's very tame. He is just you know, he's kind of, he's kind of there. He tries, but he doesn't have the charisma that you need to be higher on this list. Okay. So my number seven, I got, I got Butch T Cougar, um, who, you know, Cougars are supposed to be like sleek and he is anything, but that he's got like a giant smiling, uh, head that looks like an infected thumb. And, uh, <laughs> and I mean, it, I, but I kind of have a little bit of a, an affinity for uh, for Butch T Cougar and just Cougars in in general is a pretty cool mascot, even though it's kind of uh, uh, overdone on the West Coast a little bit. Um, but I, I, Butch is cool because he reminds me of like if let's just say like when you think of lions, you know you got your you got your Mufasas and then you got your Scars and then Butch is like the Randy Quaid cousin who comes in his trailer like. <laughs> something's wrong with this dude but he's entertaining i mean so yeah i got butch at number seven yeah butch butch might be like a, an alcoholic um i i got butch, number six wait, 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 i got wait. butch definitely has one of those like metal detectors that you find stuff uh at the no yeah like, yeah he does. that's his primary he's the wily coyote yes yep um number six I got Sparky for Arizona State. I like Sparky. I think he's kind of cool, but he's got a creepy and menacing to it to say at the same time. He is recognizable. That's why he is so high on this list. He is very recognizable. Uh, I don't see him do a ton of cool stuff because he's more like a human. Like he's kind of like a ghost almost. He it's he's a pretty cool mascot. If Arizona State were better, I think that their mascot would be higher. But I'm with Herm Edwards on this. I don't. I, I don't really like the devils in my name. I don't really like the devils in my name. If if Sparky weren't associated with devils, he would be higher. Okay, uh, I got gotcha. you. The that's the that's the Herm Edwards thing that he said to my boss at Devils Digest when he got hired. You watch out, them devils. I'm Catholic. Um, yeah. Benny Beaver comes in at number six for me. Uh, it's a good mascot. We're talking about the 2011 Capital One mascot of the year. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, it, I feel like he's underused. I think he should be a little bit more, you know, they, they have the mascots have their own Twitter accounts or whatever. I think he should be like the sassiest of the entire Pac-12. He should be like the Wendy's account of Pac-12 mascots. Um, oh, that would be. They should just capitalize yeah. on the weirdness and the whole tongue-in-cheek of like having a beaver as a mascot in today's day and age. Like, just lean into how weird and funny it is. Uh, you have you oh, have the room yeah. to do it. People will play along. That's with what it. that's what she said. Yeah. If you go a lot of that's what she says, you will. Yeah, you'll do well. Absolutely. And so, like, I I mean, it, and it feels weird, you know, because obviously the way the list is working out, that a beaver is going to be underneath a tree. 
especially when the whole thing is, you know, what beavers do to trees. Uh, but I just, I, I don't, I think he's underutilized and the potential is there to be higher, but I, I, I got Benny Beaver at number six. For me, I have Traveler at number five. I have Traveler, who is USC's, he's the horse, I believe. Or is he the, is Traveler the horse or is Traveler the man on the horse? Uh, I believe that he is the or horse. They combo. He's the horse. Yeah. So, so the Trojans, Traveler is their mascot, but the guy on the horse is important too. He's like a, you know, like a 300 warrior. But in 300, everybody dies. So, <laughs> so it's a it, USC would have been higher on this list because their mascot is well known. He's kind of like the Florida State guy that that if and he like they stamp the sword in the at the 50 yard line when they play, but it's less eventful and there's less. You know, it's not as cool as when Florida State throws the flaming spear down into the 50-yard line. That's cooler. Even though USC's is traditional and all of that, it just, you know, it's a small sword they're stepping in the ground. So it doesn't, if you're standing in the top of the stadium you and it's your first time, you don't know what's happening. So that's why USC ends up, and Traveler ends up in a five spot. I think that if they put that helmet that 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 their Trojan wears, if they just put that on the horse, like you don't even need the guy. I and I'll I'll follow up. I'll put Traveler at number five for me, just because it's it it's just sort of a symbol. You might as well have a statue. It'd almost be better is if you if you just had a if you just had the statue out there, um, out at the Coliseum. Uh, it's a pretty cool thing. I mean, especially to see in, in LA, like the theatrics of it, um, are, are pretty great. Uh, I mean, I, if I was a kid and I saw a horse at a football game, holy hell, like I'd fall in love. That, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I, I can't, I don't really have anything too bad to say, uh, uh, about it. I don't really have any criticisms at the same time. Like it's not, it's it, the, the design of the mascot is supposed to be for them, just a symbol. There's not really anything more to it. It's not playful or fun. It's regal, right? So, like, um, if your team is not respectable, then your mascot maybe commands less respect. So it's like the, the how seriously you take Traveler as a mascot depends on how well USC is doing at the time. Uh, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. My number four team. I actually switched it midstream because of your argument. I had this team at number, I had this guy at number three. Now he's moved down to number four. I got Harry the Husky down at number four now. I moved him from the three spot simply because, Ralph, you convinced me that they should have an actual Husky as their mascot. Yes, the, having the, the guy in the costume would still be important. But at the end of the day, like you need a an actual husky because guess what? Even when it's cold outside, when you're playing a game in the snow or bad weather, he can still be out there because he's a husky dog. I like it. I think that people would actually recognize their mascot because I feel like Washington, uh, Washington, 
and they and 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 probably I don't know. I would say Cal and UCLA are up there, and Utah. That people just don't even really think of the mascots all that often. That the team is the team. Huskies aren't purple and gold. Like it's just you know. I I think it would actually make people think of because you know a bulldog's not red like at Georgia or whatever. So, but I I think of the bulldogs all the time with them because they have UGA. And so I just think, I don't know, I think it'd be a cool opportunity for them. Do you actually think of them as the Huskies? And I never do. They're just Washington to me. I totally agree. Number three, the mascot I hate the most. I hate this mascot because I think it's stupid. I think that, uh, I think that it should be way, way more creative. I don't like it. It is the Stanford tree, the Cardinal, <laughs> the Stanford Cardinal. The, yeah, the Stanford tree. And like it is raggedy. It has, I mean, it doesn't feel Stanford like it's not buttoned up. It's not smart. It's so wild, though, that you're like, well, it kind of kind of kind of fits in Stanford. Like, this is who Stanford is. They have a wild band. They they let you play in the band whether you're eight or 80. Let you wear whatever you want. They they're weirdo people who who get who collect Disney pins. They have pins all over him. I, I, I can't make sense of it. However, it's so bad that it, and it's so rec, but it's so recognizable that you that it's an institution at this point. It's so it's it's almost like like when you like when you have a tradition. USC has a tradition with their stamping the the sword in the ground, pomp and circumstance surrounding it. And Stanford is just, hey, look, we're goofy. And it's been so bad, but it's yet so good. Yeah, yeah. And I and I have to jump in because I, I, uh, I didn't give my number four, but I, I can piggyback off of you and say that Stanford's tree is my number four. I don't really have anything negative to say about it because it reminds me of the movie uh, The Mask where that's just sort of the alter ego of the uptight person. And I think that it's, you know, I, I, I think that it's funny. I think that, that when the mascot gets involved in little controversies, it's funny. Um, I think the fact that you think about that stupid mascot when you go to play at, at their stadium is funny. Uh, I respect that they went this route because, like, they, they were the Indians, right? So, like, in early 1970s, they got rid of that, which is way, way ahead of its time. Um, so, you know, I, I respect that. I think that, I think that it's fun. Um, and I think the fact that it looks like just a bunch of felt, uh, glued to, to a guy in green tights. Um, I think that the, just the irony of it is what makes it for me. It's like, that's, that's where Stanford students can let loose. Like you have all these expectations you have all of all of this stuff on your shoulders to go forward to be good citizens to help change the world uh, for better or for worse. Um, but at, deep down inside you, you've got this goofy, felt-covered, uh, wiggling, annoying thing that just needs to be let out. And so I think it's oh. the perfect, perfect mascot for them. Well, the other thing about the Stanford tree is this: is that it <clears throat> never looks exactly the same. They have like five different trees that they use each season and none of them look alike. <laughs> it's just got a smiley face. Sometimes they have uh two teeth, gap teeth, a full set of teeth, Steve Harvey teeth, they have baby <laughs> teeth. This thing, they just put anything on it. And it is 
and you clearly see regular human legs in regular human shoes. And it is, and sometimes they even let them go with legs out, like <laughs> shorts. And you see pasty legs <laughs> or brown legs, and you're like, what what the hell is going on here? Well, I'm, what so the hell is going on? I'll jump in. I'll give you my number three as well so that we're caught up. Um, but for me, my number three is the Oregon Duck. Uh, what? Could easily be number one. Could easily be number one. Is a fantastic mascot. There's nothing really scary about a duck or anything like that. Uh, so the idea that the duck is, um, and also like ducks are slow and Oregon is known for being super fast. So I just love that. Like that's the best thing in the world to me. Um, you know, it, it, it would be like, it would be like if Alabama, instead of having an elephant for a mascot had like a stick bug or something like it just, just that <laughs> dichotomy. Like to me that that's pretty funny. Um, they were obviously around before the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, even though, you know, the, they got some of their, their thunder stolen uh, there that people who aren't necessarily college football fans, probably when you think Ducks, um, you think hockey and the Flying V. Um, and the mascot is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, but, but I have a couple complaints. It's a, a little too, little too close to Donald sometimes for my liking. They well, licensed it from Disney. I get it. I get that, especially covering Arizona State. I know, I know, uh, uh, you know, them's the breaks or whatever. I think it's time for a redesign. I think it's time to make the duck look sleeker, faster, meaner, um, and then keep that same energy, that same attitude. So the only reason I have it at number three is I think that it's just sort of a little bit out of date with how far – or because Oregon has just moved ahead, 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 ahead in the way that they present themselves on the field, in the way that they play. Everything about Oregon is changing. It's progressing. It's moving into the future. Um, but the mascot is is sort of just like left behind as this sort of little Twitter troll. Um, and I, I don't know. I just I think it's time. I think it's time to put as much care because if if Oregon students and alumni are willing to. Uh, except Oregon walking out onto the field in clear uniforms, you know, or whatever it else it, it is that they want to do next week, you've got license to make changes. So, like, have some fun with it. I just, that, I just think that it's gotten, it's Ralph, gotten a little oh bit. Oh God, Ralph! They tried that. They tried the Robo Duck. It failed. It was awful. It was an unmitigated disaster. It was terrible. And the Oregon Duck, how dare you put him at number three? <laughs> that is that he's the most recognizable mascot in the entire country, even more than the Bulldog. He's the best mascot in the country. So surprise, surprise, number one for me is the Oregon Ducks, but we're not even on that number yet. But George, me how, number how are you gonna have like a swan as your mascot when your school colors are a mallard? It's mallor? not a damn swan. It is it is the Oregon Duck who used to be named Puddles. He's the Oregon Duck. He's special. He's funny. You're he makes ESPN commercials. He is everywhere. He He's in music videos. He's the Oregon damn duck, man. Like, you cannot put him anywhere but number one. He's the most famous mascot there is. Right, but it would be weird to me. Football. It would be weird to me if the Washington State Cougars had, like, a panda for their mascot instead of a cougar. You are green and gold. You should have a mallard. It should have a green head. It's a mallard. Do you realize duck. how creepy that would look with a green head? That's what the duck looks like in real life. 
Oh my God, Ralph, are you kidding me? This is this is asinine even by your standards, dude. The I can't even believe that you would that you want to change this institution. They already so changed it. They got for- a white duck at a green school when the green duck is the most famous duck. Just have he the- wears green clothes and has orange legs. We've seen ducks that look exactly like the Oregon duck. There are ducks in the pond that look exactly <laughs> like the Oregon duck, and it's not a damn swan. It's a duck. It's cl- damn Ralph. <laughs> so number two on the power rankings is Ralphie the Buffalo. Ralphie the Buffalo. And because he is the uh, mascot for Colorado, you have to run him out there. He is dangerous. We saw what happened when, when Texas played Georgia in the, uh, I think it's the Sugar Bowl. Their, their, uh, their Longhorn almost tried to kill the dog. And that's what... Is Colorado's Buffalo has gotten loose a couple times. Like people have fallen down because they have to have chains and all that stuff carrying them around. That's why they can't be number one. A, a because Oregon is number number one in the mascot rankings, and it's clear and it's easy aside from people like Ralph. But it, but the, but the the only thing I don't like about Ralphie is that he can't do anything all by himself. He can't be left alone. He always needs a supervisor, and 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 Peta is gonna get you if you don't do the right things by by Ralphie. He's probably treated better than the. He's probably paid for his name, image, and likeness. Unlike the players, it's it, it's a quality mascot, quality theme. You run him out. But yeah, yeah. So there's n- nothing to say except Ralphie's dope. Okay, he's just in the number two spot, Ralph. Uh, my number two, I got Sparky. Uh, what? Oh my! The, you have Sparky behind the damn duck. I mean, in front of the yeah. duck. Yeah, Spark. You you are trying to kiss the Arizona State's people's ass. No, I'm not. Because I promise you, I'm not. Yes, you are. Because because they're mad at you right now for having them in the power rankings. So low and they're three and oh and you're and you're trying to kiss ass right now. I'm not. I think that Sparky's got a fantastic story that it's supposed to be like a caricature of Walt Disney. Like somebody was making fun of Walt Disney when they designed this mascot. So I love the history of it. Um one of my favorite things about Sparky is that for the longest time, and now only in alternate situations, but in my opinion, they should bring it back and make it permanent is he's on the damn uniform. Like, that's a huge part of it to me, is it's part of the team. Sparky was on the helmets. Sparky was on the jerseys. Like, the mascot was part of what was going on there. Everybody, like, it's one of the most unique nicknames in in Sun Devils. I don't, I'm not 100% sure what a Sun Devil is, but everybody recognizes Sparky with the pitchfork. And with the uh, with like the 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 nineteen thirty speakeasy mustache, um, it's a fun. It's fun. It's just fun. Just like Oregon's is always fun and always good. Uh, Arizona State's mascot is always fun and always good. The only reason that I have it ranked higher, only reason, is that it's got such a rich history of being like part. Of, if you remember, think about Arizona State's best seasons, it happened with Sparky 
on the helmet. When you think of Jake Plummer, you think of Sparky on his helmet. Like that. No, you don't. Nobody thinks of Sparky on his helmet, except for people in Arizona. Oh, come on now. But I, I, I think that just being, being more part of it, because you could be Oregon and just have that silver O and everybody knows what that is. You, you should put Arizona State's pitchfork out there and people are like, is that San Diego State? So, like, the just Sparky and Arizona State are so intertwined um, that I, 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 to me, that puts it above. And you think I'm wrong, and that's fine. Oh, God. Oh, Ralph. Oh, stop it. Um, we, we already said, I don't even need to go into it anymore. The Oregon Duck is the best mascot in the Pac-12. It, it, it won't win in a fight. It will do what Mike Leach said. Be smart. A fight breaks out, and you fly off, and and then come and c- come back and sprinkle some. And it's only one person standing, and they beat each other to hell. And then you come, just sit on top of him, and then you get a one, two, three count from the referee, and you win the fight. It, it's old wrestling moves, dude. And the duck is smart enough to do that. Okay, I mean, we'll see what would happen if a duck got in the cage with Ralphie. But that's my number one. I got University of Colorado um, as as my number one. Ralphie, first of all, great name. Great name. Love the name. Love that it's a buffalo uh, because I don't know if you know this, George, but I'm from Wyoming. We got a buffalo on our state flag. Uh, And I love the running of the buffalo before the game. Everybody loves that. It's probably the best part about going to a game in Boulder. And uh, not a lot of people know this, but Ralphie is a girl. So score one for the ladies. Oh, wow. I did not know that. I did not know know that. But you guys, make sure you guys send us in your mascot power rankings to I'm mad at unafraidshow.com. Tell us where we got it right. Tell us where we got it wrong. But now, Ralph, it is time for us to get into the damn games, man. We have we've belabored the point enough. <laughs> we've gone in on everything. Now we can go through the games. We already briefly hit on the Friday night game, Utah, number 10, Utah, heading out to USC on a game most people won't see live and they will just see what's going on. And in two games, Keaton Slovis, Utah's quarter, I mean, uh, USC's now quarterback, 58 of 75, 715 yards, five touchdowns, few picks will usc unleash this kid utah's favored by three and a half points ralph favored by three and a half points who do you have in this game oh man i said before the season that usc would get this game and now i've seen with my eyes what these two teams are and i'm stuck between a rock and a hard place of either changing with the information that I now have or going with my gut, which is that USC was going to win the Pac-12 South and that the difference was going to be this game. Everything for my prediction hinges on this game. Everything. Um, If I'm going to be wrong, I'm going to be wrong all the way. I'm going against my gut and I'm going against my head to say that the home team will win this game and that the only really thing that I have going on to support me on this is Utah's struggles playing at the Coliseum. Um, but then again, I don't believe that the moment will be too big for them. Um, I'm really, really going against my gut and my head when I say that USC will win this game. 
See, I, Ralph, I love the wait. You're, wait, you're sticking with Before USC. Before the season, I said that USC was going to win the Pac-12 South, and I said that they would win the Pac-12 South with a worse overall record than Utah because they won this game. So, like, what am I going to do and go and what am I going to oh, change it now Ralph. based on what I've seen? Should I? Yes. Should I? Yes. Am I going to? No. I got to stick with my original assessment of believing that USC is an eight and four team, Utah's a nine and three team, but that ultimately the division comes down to this game and that USC was going to win this game. And, and that was the, I, I got to ride with it. And I'm recognizing as we go into the moment, Ralph, don't Ralph, you are too old to be doubling down on bad decisions. If you believe it's a bad decision, get out, cut bait, know when to hold them, know when to fold them, Ralph. But I see this game as twofold. What is USC bad at? They're bad at they're bad on the offensive line. It's particularly at center who got whooped against BYU. Oh, that's my boy Brett Nealon. He he's a, he's a smaller guy. It's fantastic technique, but he's not going to be able to handle somebody who's who, Lecky. Yeah, and, and Utah is going to be bringing that same stuff. And Lecky Foto is going to have a tough time being being blocked. So USC's bad up front, and they're bad in the secondary. Uh, so they're well, they're up front on the offensive line. So Utah has the advantage because they got Lecky Foto and a bunch of other guys on defense who are going to get after the pass rush get after the quarterback, stay in the lanes. USC is probably going to have a tough time running the football as well. Here and um, – but Utah, who is good in the secondary, has to match up with Tyler Vons, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Pittman. And if they let Slovis loose like they did his first game at home and not try to protect him like they did against Utah, they will win this game. And then the other part that USC is bad at, Utah is bad at. Utah does not have a dominant passing game. And USC is not very good in the secondary right now. So I look at that and I say, the winner of this game will be Tyler Huntley, Utah's quarterback, versus the and their wide receivers versus the USC secondary. I said it before that he's going to need to come up big in at least three to four games this year. Tyler Huntley can't be a game manager. He's going to have to be the game savior. And this is one of those games. And I don't believe in Tyler Huntley yet. So I'm going with USC in this game. Because this is going to be the game that determines Clay Helton's future. If Clay Helton wins this game, he may make it till next year. If they lose it because they're going to get more momentum, team's going to be excited, then they're going to win it, rattle off a bunch of games. If they lose this game, you can you might as well start packing Clay Helton's bags, whatever whatever car dealership he has a free car with. I think it's Mercedes with USC. They're going to start be starting the paperwork of getting the turn back in, make sure he didn't overexceed his miles, all of that. That's what's going to happen. That's how much is riding on this game, bro. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, I'm looking forward to being wrong so I can just be free from all of my preseason predictions for the rest of the season. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. So I got USC in this game. 
um, you got USC in this game, except for we have them for totally different reasons. You actually believe Utah is going to win. I believe USC is going to win. And if Utah wins this game, I will finally come over to believing in Utah. I will. I'll believe in Ty. I'll stop knocking Tyler Huntley. I'll stop knocking their offense and passing game and say that Zach Moss is enough and say that Tyler Huntley is enough and actually believe in this team. Uh, The next game up, we got Oregon and we got Stanford. This is a game that everybody pointed to. Oregon's going to lose this game. They're going to the farm. They're going on the road. Well, Oregon's now favored by 10 points. Stanford got boat raced by USC. Then they got their head knocked in by UCF. And the same thing is going to happen by Oregon. This is a this, this is a easy line at 10 points. Stanford is going to be more competitive at home, but they're but Oregon's defense is too real this year. They are going to shut them down. And Stanford is slow this year. They are a slow, slow team. And there's no way that this turns out good for them. This is a road game. Uh, This is a defense that is very, very used to playing against Oregon that has seen Justin Herbert a few times. Um, And and I think you're going to be able to scheme away some of your deficiencies. Not all, but some. So I think that where where somebody would look at that line of 10 and say, oh my God, that's delicious. Like, of course I would bet Oregon on that with Stanford getting blown out two weeks in a row um, and then having to take on a team that has looked like a complete football team the last two weeks. Of course I would take that. But there's a reason that line is where it is. There's a reason that it's fishy. And that's because people know that when you get into these rivalry games, you get into one of the only four times that, that, that Oregon – uh, is playing outside of uh, Autzen in conference this year, that it can be a little bit dicey. And so I think I, I fully plan on you being frustrated for about three quarters. I think this game will be a little bit closer um, than you're comfortable with. And ultimately they come out with a win. Wait, so you, so you think Oregon ends up. Yeah. I think win. that this is like a 34 to 20 game, but it's not, it's not 34 to 20 until later. You know, I, I think that, I, I think that I expect that Oregon should be able to come out and be uh, dominant against a team like Stanford, but we're in conference play now and Oregon's on the road. And so, um, you know, we've seen Oregon trip up on the road in very recent history. Uh, if you remember, of course you remember what happened against Arizona last year. So um, I, I think that it, you're outside of the protection of Austin stadium. You're against a team that while they don't share your skill level, they know you almost as well as you know yourself. Um, and Herbert has yet to elevate in those big moments. Um, and so I think it'll be a close game. But yeah, Oregon definitely wins this game. I totally agree with you, Ralph, that that Oregon has to prove themselves on the road. They have not been a good road team the last couple of years. Actually, they've been terrible on the road. Terrible on the road. Just, just, just guaranteed wins. I mean, and just and haven't showed up. They didn't show up against Arizona. They didn't show up against Washington State last year. I mean, just got demolished by both teams. And Arizona's defense was atrocious last year. Atrocious this year, except for last week. And, yeah, this is a game that Oregon needs to win to say, all right, look, 
look, guys, we're we're back in control of this thing. Settle down. Um, you got UCLA at Washington State. Uh, UCLA's defense was giving up like 12 yards of play to Oklahoma, who runs a, a version of the air raid as well. Washington's favored by 18 and a half points. We so we know that UCLA is only going to score 14 points because they did it the last three weeks. So assuming that they get 14 points, that means that that Washington State then needs what 32 points to cover. Sorry, 33 points to cover, and Washington State's not getting held by this defense under at home under 33 points. So this is an easy cover for Washington State and UCLA. I mean, they're they're going to be starting 0 and 4. I mean, unless this is like a cow game last year where they show up and win 37 to 7, it's like Angels in the outfield. This is there there's no chance they win. I mean, Dorian Thompson Robinson has been bad. Washington's defense, they like to move and shift and disguise things. He probably throws a couple picks. They get a lot of sacks, so and he fumbles the ball a lot. This is probably another four turnover game for Dorian Thompson Robinson. I don't know if they're going to be able to run the ball. They've been relying on Felton as their running back, and he's their leading wide receiver and running back. This is just not a good situation. I I, I don't even know what else to say about uh, about this. Hopefully, uh, Anthony Gordon, Washington State's quarterback. He continues his magical run, 96 for 122, 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns through through three games. Uh, what what do you got? It's re- there's a very simple recipe to beating Washington State, and that's keeping their offense off the field. But UCLA is going out there and putting other offenses on the field by repeatedly turning the ball over. This is a recipe for absolute disaster. I don't know the last time when UCLA was 20-point dog in back-to-back weeks. This is an embarrassment of a season. They are the far inferior team, and they have to go out and play on the road. Uh, the most encouraging thing for UCLA fans it would be if they just showed some fight. Like, show some damn fight, please. Um, but, yeah, no, they're not winning this game. Not at all. Not not even close. Will Washington State cover? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think they will. And I think that Mike Leach um, – for as weird as he's been with the media this week, I think that he's probably locked in, and I think that they'll probably they'll they'll put the pedal to the floor, and and I expect this to be a thirty point win. I totally agree with you there. Um, we got Cal at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is favored by two and a half points. Two years ago, Cal won this game twenty six to seventeen. This is an important game for the Pac twelve. Cal needs to win this game. Can't be losing to an SEC West team that is not going to be competitive in the SEC West. Um, yeah, I Cal's defense is smothering. They are smothering. And and if you're looking at Matt Carroll, who's the quarterback at Ole Miss, it's off to a eh, kind of okay start, completing like 55, 60% of his passes. You know, they, they haven't shown the ability in Ole Miss and ability to run the ball so successfully. They already lost to Memphis. So this is a game that Cal has to win, but it is going to look much like the Washington game only because they can't score. 
But this is a game where their defense could put up a touchdown or two and Cal could win by two touchdowns. Yeah, it's it's time to reveal some character. I mean, uh, Matt Coral was a very highly ranked recruit. There's one point when I thought he was going to be USC Trojan. There's another point when I thought he was going to be a Florida Gator. Um, he's a very highly ranked recruit um, who uh, this is a big moment for him. He's got a lot to prove here in front of the home crowd. I think that this place is going to be uh, absolutely rocking, and that will reveal some – because that the that element was taken out of that Cal-Washington game, right? Like, it was still a little bit loud, but, you know, you didn't have a, a full stadium the way you would have had that game kicked off on time. So, I mean, this is this is going to be a pretty intense game. It's going to kick off at 9 a.m. our time, so hope you're ready for some football early in the morning. Um, you're going to have some familiarity with Cal because I think on Ole Miss's staff – is Rich Rod, um, I believe. Uh, he, he's out there. So, um, you know, I, I don't know how often he got to coach against Wilcox, but I know that I know that it won't just be a blank slate um, for Ole Miss. Uh, I think that you, you just have to go out there and make sure that even if the first quarter doesn't go your way, that you're able to settle yourself down um, and just find a way to scrap and, and win ugly. Um, I, don't, I don't like Cal to um to win this game we know you don't like cal you got him behind uh, washington I, I don't, in the I, power I don't rankings, like cal to win this game on the road in in the sec um i think that uh i i, I just i i think that that offense is good enough for playing at home or close to home to eke things out i'm not sure that it's good in a couple of time zones over um and so i i, I like old miss to squeak this one out uh 20 20 to 17. Oh, Ralph, you're, 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 you're doing a bad job today, dude. They just went up to <laughs> Seattle and won. They went up to Seattle and won, man. Um, speaking of Seattle, we got Washington versus BYU. Washington's favorite by six and a half points. If BYU wins this game, they beat USC and beat Washington. This is scary for the potential for the future for the Pac-12 because BYU is on everybody's schedule and they will just destroy the Pac-12's playoff chances. As a as a tiny as a, as a tiny Kalani, uh, Kalani Sataki will have his team like Notre Dame in the college football comp playoff conversation if they are ten and 11 and 12 and 0. And it will be on the backs of the Pac-12 if that does happen in the future going forward. This is a statement game for the conference. You cannot lose on national TV twice in back-to-back weeks to BYU. USC and then Washington, your most recognizable program, and then what people, and then your Rose Bowl team from last year. How about no? Um. Uh, Salva Ahmed, he's going to need to be a workhorse in this. Uh, they're going to have to kind of pick and choose the spots that they use. Sean McGrew's speed, Jacob Eason is going to have to be on in order to win this game. I think that they will win this game. I don't think that the same restrictions that USC put on Keaton Slovis are going to be there for Jacob Eason. I think that they're going to take deep shots early and often, and I think that this offensive line is a little bit better equipped to handle what's going on uh, with BYU's um, defensive line. I think that uh, the, the other thing that Washington is better at than USC is, is, is playing defense. And so, um, you know, this is a, this is a poised BYU team that 
is going to have an absolutely insane home crowd. Uh, this game on TV is going to be awesome. The only thing better would be actually being in Provo. Uh, but I, I think that that crowd is going to be quieted at the end of the day uh, because, you know, Jacob Eason, who hasn't played his best yet, in my opinion, is still completing 70% of his passes and has only turned the ball over one time. Uh, so if he can, I mean, if he can just even keep that same efficiency, he doesn't have to play his absolute best and they can get anything out of the running game. I think they're going to be in a better position than USC was last week, and they're going to get this win. Um, I, I'm, I'm expecting a 10 to 14 point win. Yeah, and the last game we got up, I totally agree with your whole assessment there, Ralph. The last thing we got up is Colorado at your the your two favorite mascots apparently, Ralphie versus Sparky, <laughs> and a Col- Colorado. Ralphie, Ralphie versus Sparky is every time I tweet about Khalil Tate. <laughs> and Arizona State, Arizona State's favorite in this game by seven and a half points. Are you kidding me? This is the most ridiculous line of the weekend, Ralph. Steven Montez, this is not Michigan State. They are not going to hold Colorado to uh, zero points until the end of the game. Washington's, oh my God. Colorado will absolutely win this game. I don't need no damn points. Straight up, I got Colorado. Man, Arizona State, they got – it was a miracle they made it out of East Lansing with a victory. They get the privilege of playing at home. But I think Colorado's upset for the way that they played against Air Force. Mel Tucker's going to have his team ready. Steven Montez and and LaVisca Chenault are mad they're being overlooked. They feel like they should be 3-0. and I just can't see a situation where how bad Arizona State is having trouble protecting Jaden Daniels and creating running lanes for Eno Benjamin with their offensive line. We've talked about how they put the center over at their starting center or left tackle, then they moved him back, put a freshman at left tackle, and, and they've been shuffling guys around. There is... Unless Colorado turns the ball over, which Steven Montez has done a good job of not throwing interceptions and fumbling this year, Colorado absolutely wins this game. There's no question. And then we will have another, we will have one less ranked Pac 12 team after this week, bro. Yeah. I mean, you say that, that Colorado is not going to go late into this game having not scored, but I mean, they had zero points at halftime against Nebraska and 10 at against Air Force, both of those games were at home, George. They have gotten off to the absolute slowest starts imaginable, and eventually that's going to get you in trouble. It did get them in trouble last week when they didn't have the balls to go out there and go for two. And so, I mean, had they beat Air Force, had they gone for two and beat Air Force, I think I'd feel better about their momentum coming in. But I got to tell you, man, this game is – I don't think you realize how important this game is – to Arizona State's defense because they won uh, last year and they really felt like they should have won that game. It came down to LaVisca Chenault burning Chase Lucas twice. I interviewed Chase Lucas about this and he said, like, look, that dude's my friend, but he's been on my mind. And so, like, this is this is enormous for Arizona State's defense. This is a game that they're going to take more seriously than they've taken the previous three games, of which they've only given up seven points in each. It's the first time that they're actually able to play in front of a home crowd on a Saturday this year. So some fans might actually show up. 
which is going to be really helpful for them. Jaden Daniels is coming off uh, uh, the drive that might be the start of his legacy out here. And while they have problems on the offensive line, there are things that you can do to cover up for that when you show that, you know, Colorado can't stop the run. Eno Benjamin got his start uh, as a, as a, as a freshman um, back uh, two years ago, uh, tearing up Colorado. And so, you know, I don't think you need the best offensive line in the world to run the ball. Uh, and I think that they will do plenty of that. The line is weird to me because seven and a half points assumes that even if ASU only gives up seven, that they're going to score 15. Um, I don't know if I have the confidence in this team to, but I do think that Arizona state can move the ball enough to field exactly. goal Colorado to death. Uh, even if they kick six field goals in this game, I think it'll be enough to beat Colorado. So, um, I do believe that it will be close. I don't think that Arizona State has the skill on offense to do anything resembling blowing a team out. But Arizona State's different than Nebraska in that if they get a three or a seven point lead, they're going to choke you out. And I don't think that even even as much as I love Steven Montez and his experience and the way that they sort of scheme offensively, Colorado is the perfect offense for Arizona State's defense because Arizona State's got a bend and don't break defense. And Colorado's team sort of chews up yards and doesn't always get the payoff. And so I, I think that everything in this game to me is trending Arizona State. Uh, if Steven Montez yeah. can get this done, I already like him, but I'll be starting to, I'll, I'll be I'll be ready and willing to start bringing up his name in in some postseason award conversation because then Colorado will really control their own destiny in the conference. If they can if they can go out and they can beat Arizona State and have a win over Nebraska and say that yep. you know the Air Force game was an anomaly with a with a gimmick offense and you see all the way that all these other Pac-12 teams are sort of down outside of Utah, then that Utah game becomes the important one and there's so much on Steven Montez's shoulders. This is a huge game for him. I'm really I like this Colorado offense. I like him at quarterback. Big dude out of El Paso, Texas. I want to see him succeed. I just don't think this is the week for it. Um, you were right about Colorado's rushing defense. They are second worst in the Pac-12. Only Oregon State is worse. They're giving up 198 yards per game rushing. And yeah, and when you look at Arizona State, though, they're only able to average their 10th in the Pac-12 with 112 yards per game rushing. When you think about the best offense is at 300 yards in Arizona and then Oregon State at 229. So you are a long way off from being a top rushing defense, but one of these guys has to win. And in scoring offense, Colorado scoring 36 points a game in their three games. And Arizona State's only giving up seven. So somebody's got to lose this. Somebody's got to lose this. And I think that it's going to be Arizona State. And even if they do win, there's zero chance they cover. I, I might be with you there. Because right, they, they would have to like score 20 points. Eight more than Colorado, will they score eight points? I could see this being seven to nothing. <laughs> but, like, I, I can't. Yep. Yeah, it's more likely to be a seven to nothing than them winning by eight points. Thank you guys for listening to the Pac-12 Apostles. We appreciate your time. Appreciate your energy. Catch us next Monday. Catch us next Monday. Tell a friend about the uh, about the Pac-12 Apostles. Share it. Great articles on unafraidshow.com. I'm George Reiser, Ralph Amsden. Peace out. Catch you Monday. <laughs>